Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? And welcome to episode one of the Steelers Outpost podcast. Today we're going to be breaking down the recent Steelers victory over the Browns. Steelers won the game not very comfortably, but they won the game at 21-18. to 18. What were you expecting, a blowout? You know, certainly we expected this offense with a top-tier quarterback, an offensive line that's among the best in the league, and what arguably the premier wide receiver and running back in the NFL that we'd see more than 14 points of production. And we certainly did not think that that production would come from an under-recognized tight end. An outlaw, nonetheless. The outlaw. So maybe it's not the overwhelming display of firepower that we'd hope to see, but it was a victory. We'll take it. And we started to see the machine pick up momentum as the game went on. I'd say one of the themes of the game is appropriate for two teams from old steel towns, and I would use the word rust. Although some guys were ready, many, including uh, our vaunted quarterbacks, seemed to need a little time under live fire to find their rhythm. So I think that Steelers nation is probably in a little bit more of a panic than they should be. Uh, eking out a victory against the the lowly Browns, who obviously are improved from last year, but still, just they, those guys lack tremendous firepower. But honestly, there were a lot of positives to take from the game. So what we're going to do here is we're going to try and stick to a general format while we're on this podcast. We're open to any suggestions. Um, let us know if you like the format. If you don't like the format, what you'd like to change about it, you can email at us. You can email us at Steelers Outposts at gmail.com but basically what we're going to do is we're going to start with big themes overarching themes uh the view from thirty thousand feet if uh, if you will just talk about what we think uh, a couple points are that really shaped the game and then we're going to kind of get more specific we'll talk about the offense in general we'll talk about the defense in general and then we'll actually give positional grades to every position including the coaching staff so why don't we start with with the three big themes that we thought basically define the game today so number one let's start off on a positive note somebody who did a pretty good job and gave us reason to potentially change the name of the team to the pittsburgh antonio browns he is a monster he is the savior he made plays that were not open um massive plays the tipped catch of course the catch to seal the game and then a number of ones in between including the pass interference basically that's what superstars do they make plays when they're not open I've always made the argument that it's hard for it's impossible for an NFL team to be carried on the back of one player. I thought that that works in the NBA, maybe a little bit in in baseball, but this game it seemed like this game hung on Antonio Brown. That's as close as you're going to get. I mean, obviously, if the defense gave up 30 points, and no matter what AB had done in that game, would have mattered. But honestly, the guy took over with a record-setting day. He was he had 11 catches on 11 targets for 182 yards. Um, probably would have had more in a touchdown if that pass interference hadn't been committed on him, but he got the yardage and we scored on that. That's right. Yep, he's an aggressor. He's the man. Uh, there's been under, I believe it's under five, it's definitely under 10 receivers in the last 20, 25 years 
who have caught over 10 balls and who have caught 100% of their targets uh, in a game. He's done it twice, and this is now his third time. So A.B. is the man. Let's move to the second theme, second big theme, which really is probably the biggest theme. I just wanted to start on a positive note, the penalties. The penalties can explain a lot about this game. 13 penalties, 144 yards. To put that into perspective, we had the Steelers had probably under 40 rushing yards. I believe they had 37 rushing yards or something like that. Massive. They actually had four personal fouls on defense. Two of them were very dumb, at least. I mean, if not three. So the penalties uh, got the offense behind the chains, and it basically moved the Browns down the field. So that was a huge one. I think the Steelers are going to clean that up. Traditionally, over the past few years, they've been a, a, a pretty clean playing team. Well, and then the third one is going to be the, uh, the, the national headline, which everyone is going to want to pump up, is the huge game from T.J. Watt, little J.J. Um, it wasn't a dominant game. I think that the, that the national media is going to play it up a little bit more um, than what the reality actually was. But actually, the guy played very well. He had an excellent motor, which is where we've seen him do most of his damage throughout the preseason and in that first game. And he flashed a lot of athleticism. He also flashed... Some good technique, actually. On his second sack, which I originally thought was more of a hustle sack, he had a really nice push-pull move on the tackle. Then he shedded the running back blocker and, and almost got Kaiser, and he escaped, and he chased the guy down. And He had a nice spin move and stuff like that. So it wasn't dominant. He didn't overpower his guys, but I can tell you Jarvis Jones and Bud Dupree didn't look like that in their first game. So pretty awesome game from T.J. Watt. He looks like a first-rounder plus in his first game. He does, yeah. It was good. What so why don't we on. move on? Nice. Look at that. My link. The synchronicity is real. <laughs> so let's move on now to talking about the offense. What are some of the points that you saw about the offense from this past game? Well, we have an embarrassment of riches on the offense. And you might say, is Ben distributing the, the goods? But I, I was kind of mystified. I mean, I think uh, we're going to talk about the offensive play calling, but the lack of uh, carries for Le'Veon, uh, not a heavy reliance on A.B. at the beginning. Martavis was absent. I, I was just a little curious about the, um, the use of the playmakers at the beginning of the game. Yeah, it took them forever to, to develop a rhythm. Um, they were trying to get Martavis involved early. It, it didn't work out very well, whether it was because of holding calls or some of his jitters and drops, which he's been known to have over the years. But... It almost seemed like at first they didn't, they didn't know what to commit to. There was, there's so many awesome guys on the field they didn't know who to get the ball to, and they just could not develop any rhythm until pretty much the last drive of the first half, which has been the case a, a lot in the past few years. Sometimes when the Steelers and this offense get into those situations where they, they have to go to hurry up and they can't think about it so much, they just need to move down the field is when they, they kind of knock the saran wrap off. But I think the offense had trouble – establishing rhythm obviously a lot of penalties i think ben missed some short throws throughout the game which which took some rhythm away and then some receivers weren't in places and and the o-line had a subpar game for their standards particularly in the run blocking they didn't open up many holes so it was pretty ugly they only scored 14 points but uh, they did start to move the ball towards the end of the game on a okay cleveland defense I think you uh, pointed this out already, but the biggest bright spot, obviously, is A.B. 100% percent yep. uh, catches on his targets at 182 yards. Um, I think you've already mentioned that that has happened. He's the third one to do that. My uh, biggest mm -hmm. surprise, 
And I've said it all along, you've got to stick with Jesse James. I just see, I don't know whether he'll be Heath at the end of the day, but I just see that guy developing and our entire, all of our offensive scoring came at the hands of the outlaw. Yeah, well, he's he's never going to be Heath. He doesn't have the physical talents that Heath had or, you know, not that Heath was ever a speed demon, but he was faster earlier in his days. But he really came alive last year in the playoffs, had great games against the Chiefs and the Patriots, actually, and he's been very shorthanded recently. And um, obviously his touchdown, his first touchdown catch was awesome on a great throw from Ben. He was blanketed and made the catch with his hands away from his body in tight traffic, catching a fastball like that. But I think my favorite play from him was actually later in the game when he just he caught a little five-yard pass over the middle and got crushed right when he caught it and hung and hung on to it. And that was reminiscent of Heath. I mean, he's always going to get those comparisons. but He was, and I think you have to account for, for his height. I mean, the, the pass that Ben overthrew to him in the end zone where he uh-huh. reached up and grabbed the goalpost, I mean, I think that's a guy you could – he doesn't have to be fast if he's running in from 10 yards under. He just has to get into the end zone, turn around, and jump. And the, yeah, and I mean, the point he's going to get hang the, onto the fifth ball defender as well. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think he, he had some drops earlier in his career, and now it looks like he's starting to hang on to some of those balls, and he does not want to get run out of town. So, he's hanging on to that job yeah. for dear life. He is. And, and also the, the little pivot, the little block and pivot touchdown he made was also really nice. He made another one where he, where he actually juked out a guy, which probably tore a hole in the space-time continuum. But anyways, Jesse was a revelation. And then the third bright spot, I'd say, is the red zone. It was good. We actually went two for two in the red zone, uh, two touchdowns to Jesse James, and um, there was a bad interception by Ben to uh, on that little post attempt to Martavis. The the throw got tipped. I don't think it was really open at any point. Um, that wasn't in the red zone. It was on the way there. But overall, it was encouraging to see the Steelers convert in the red zone after struggling with it so dearly last year. Now, those were some of the bright spots we had on offense. If you were to single out one guy who maybe had a more unfortunate day on offense, who would you pick? Juju Smith-Schuster. He Poor made Juju. me pull my, t- my hair out on two great plays, one of which may have been sprung because he was actually holding. But, yeah, okay, rookie mistake. He's trying to hold his block. Right, that he, first play of the game. He held it too literally. Yeah, you know what? I, I love the aggression. The guy wants to get in there and block. Uh, I've heard before that, you know, that's one of the more, you know, the route running, the option routes and the blocking are some of the tough parts about making your way into the NFL um, as a receiver. But he should have had that block. He shouldn't have needed to hold him. And he had, he had a tough day. He played a lot more than I thought he would, though. I, and I like to see that because they want to try and move the guy along. They're ready for the next injury. Yeah. Why don't we move on to defense? There were some positives and negatives about it. I mean, overall, the defense played well, and I think we have the tendency to be to be hard on them. They gave up 18 points. Um, they weren't really done any favors with field position. I mean, the penalties that they committed hurt them, and then the penalties that the offense committed and then had to punt, you know, didn't help with the field position. But there were definitely a couple of long plays that were wide open that the Browns blew. Either Kaiser overthrew the guy or there was the one where the receiver stepped out of bounds. So the Browns kind of being the Browns saved the Steelers a little bit. But, hey, at least you can tighten some of that stuff up. Um, The D-line I thought was pretty decent. They got a good push. Uh, Overall, you know, the Steelers held them below 50 rushing yards and and, and did a decent job. The thing I really liked about the defensive performance was the swarming to the ball. 
there were a number of times where there were short passes into the flats where the corner, you know, usually Hayden or Artie, if they didn't make the tackle, they sort of half made the tackle and Chicolo or Shazier would come in and clean it up. And that's a big improvement from last year. They're, this they're really is so much better the than the last two years. We're actually wrapping guys getting stopped, guys wrapping up and stopping them at the point of contact. I agree totally. That's going to make yeah. a big difference this year. There were missed tackles, of course, in the middle of the field, but those perimeters used to be just brutal with Cockrell and Artie, especially in the first half of last year. So it was nice to see um, the Steelers be able to bottle some of those things up. So let's move on to the bright spots for the defense. I think uh, you mentioned a TJ Watt. No matter where, how his sacks came, um, I would say that that interception was, was very athletic. He got up in the beautiful. air, and uh, whether the pass was in air, and he had to go up. He had to go up a ladder to get that. I that was beautiful. Yeah. This is a terrible pass, but it was a great catch. And he and he fell down on the ground and got back up and started running with it. So he looks comfortable. Honestly, he look he looks he looks felt. I like it. One of the things um that that was short lived, but you know, the the bright spot that to it is on the first two plays oh my goodness. makes his loss and and then today I guess we heard that it's it's uh not permanent, he might not be out right. for the season. But it was so exciting to see the guy breaking through like that in the first two plays. And when we get him back, I feel so much better about this season. I feel this could be a dominant defense if Tuit is back in there. Yeah, we hadn't even talked about the Tuit thing yet. I think earlier in the day that would have been one of the first things I talked about. But then the report came out saying that it actually does not look like he's going to miss the whole season. I mean, it's awesome to see the guy do that. He gets a new contract, and what, like 15 hours later, he blows up the first two plays of the game. And spectacular fashion hopefully they can get him back soon it looks like he's ready to turn the corner um the thing is when you have him your defensive line isn't only great at the top but you actually have depth with a lulu and sometimes since they run you know the two lineman sets you get hargrave coming in there and every good defense in the nfl has depth on the defensive line so they're gonna have to weather it without him in there but uh hopefully he'll be back soon and he was definitely a bright spot if you compare a lulu with chidiawuma who is the best name? Neither. Chris Fu Umatu Umafala. Still takes the prize. I no, Chidi was my man. That's my favorite special teams player And he's player still ever. in the Steelers. Scout. So I think the uh, secondary was uh, serviceable. As you mentioned, they tackled. I'm not sure the coverage was okay. Uh, you, you, were, you were fighting against a rookie quarterback. Um, we're still not locked down, I would say. Yeah. No, they got a little ways to go. Um, if I were to have to point out the one guy who had an unfortunate performance, actually, I don't think anyone in particular did. If I have to pick someone, I would say Vince Williams did look a little bit slow. You see Shazier making a lot of tackles at the line of scrimmage. Granted, he overruns them sometimes, but he makes those tackles in the hole. Vince seems to make a lot of tackles five, six yards down the field and uh, you know doesn't get a lot of burn on those pass plays, but... I think I think Vince played fine, but if I had to pick one, he, he was kind of the guy that I thought had a little bit of a tough game. Well, this brings us to our main segment, which is the grades of the position segments. We start out with the coaches and work our way through the offensive uh, or the offensive and the defense and the special teams. Nick, if we talk about uh, Mike Tomlin, how would you grade out on this on this game? I can't give Mike anything higher than a C minus. Ouch! For for two big reasons: what the penalties, the penalties. Mike Tomlin didn't create any penalties yeah <laughs> but you gotta say man you gotta find a way to reel that in i mean mike didn't have a brutal day but between the penalties and 
the track record of playing down to inferior opponents is brutal, and it happened again. First game. Listen, the Browns are improved, but the Browns are not a good team. They have no firepower. They're missing their best two defensive linemen. Uh, they, you know, the Steelers re- really should have blown those guys out. And, and the Steelers were close to scoring on that drive where they got picked off. So, you know, that could have been a huge difference in the game. And I think that once the second half rolled around, they were in control. But playing down to an inferior opponent yet again, that's brutal. i got to give them a C-. Minus. You really should have taken neck. care of business. Should have stepped on the neck. So offensive coordinator, we had. I have to admit, I, I was really annoyed by the first set of uh, this first series of downs with those Everyone short passes. Was, yeah. But it, at the end of the day, uh, that's the way Cleveland was playing it. The, the problem for the Steelers was execution: drop ball, <coughs> errant. Excuse me, drop balls, errant passes. Well, it was the holdings. It was really the holding. I mean, think about football really is a game of like a couple plays the the cliche it's a game of in of inches the first play was a nice little screen to eli rogers for eight yards and if that play had stood that's a totally different momentum it, it like like we talked about it the other day off air about the patriots game when they recovered the they scored to make it seven zero they recovered the fumble from kansas city and they threw a seemingly a touchdown pass to gronk to go up 14-0 the touchdown pass got overturned, and they went for it on fourth down and missed it. La da la la. Kansas City tied it up. But if they had started that game 14-0 with that pass sitting to Gronk, that's a totally different game. I think that they would have had their momentum rolling if they had completed that first pass to Eli. And then after that, there was a drop by Marty. There was a there was another holding, and they put themselves behind the chains. And listen, the defensive backs were playing 10 yards off, and the safeties were 25 yards back. I'll take my chances. How do you grade out? I give him a B minus. B minus. Yeah, you know what? I can't. I can't give him that much higher because the offense really didn't get rolling. I think a lot of people might disagree, especially because of that first drive. But honestly, Cleveland was playing super deep all day, and Haley called the right place to attack the open areas in the short game. And you know, they they talk about coordinators need to stay patient with the run game. Uh, I think he stayed patient with the short pass game, which is which is more similar now to a run game in kind of the modern NFL. So the run game wasn't exactly creative, but I do like that he didn't start forcing things. Well, this might be our one point of disagreement. I think he got a C. When you look at what the Steelers did in the second half, especially the fourth quarter, the adjust, I think that adjustment should have come earlier. The middle of the field was wide open, as you pointed out. Safeties and the DBs were way back. And instead of going off to the sides, I think there was – there were things more open over the middle that they could have taken advantage of and then loosened up the game for the long ball. I didn't think that the – I mean, it depends on what middle you're talking about. I think the middle within five yards was open. But as you can see, every pass that Ben tried to throw into the more deep or intermediate middle, um, they would get tipped or intercepted. The one, the 50-yard pass to Antonio Brown was actually a tipped ball that he miraculously caught. And then the other one, uh, the interception of Martavis, was like the same throw. Those guys were covering that up, and you saw once the Steelers started get, once they got it going, was just throwing to AB five yards and letting him run. If they're gonna listen, it's like what all Steelers fans used to complain about with the Dick LeBeau defense. We let them have the five yard catches. Well, the point of that is you let them have the five yard catches because it's difficult for a quarterback to march a team down with you know ten five yard passes or whatever it's gonna however many it's gonna take, right? But if they, if a Tom Brady will do that to you, Ben should be able to do that. I like that he kept calling the short passes. So we move over to the defensive coordinator, Keith Butler. 
Uh, what's your impression of the defense and the way he called the game? I think that the defense, the defense did a good job. They kind of let up late a little bit, um, and the penalties were pretty brutal. But they, they did have some creative and varied ways of getting pressure. You know, they brought a couple um, blitzes from the secondary, and you saw Chicolo and, and, and TJ Chicolo. Watt beat their man uh, a few times. I, I think that the pressure, the seven sacks, is misleading because all of those sacks, Kaiser was holding the ball for like five to eight seconds on some of them. So I think some of that was uh, a little bit fake, but I thought he was creative in the way he did it. It didn't look super pre- predictable. Um, and I think he made some okay personnel decisions, you know, subbing William Gay in there for Hilton uh, when it looked like Hilton wasn't really getting the job done. And Willie Gay actually ended up having a pretty good game. Uh, I give him a B. I agree with that. I think it was really interesting that the uh, substitutions he made on the front line at the very beginning of the game. Alualu was in there early. Um, Walton well, was, was in there early. Necessity, I think. I think Walton started. I like the Walton sub, but uh, we were wondering about that during the live game why Alualu was in there, but that was because Tua was out. Just like to say Alualu. So moving great. on. So let's uh, move to positional grades. Starting with offense, we had 35 net rushing yards. Not good. Total disappointment. 255 yards passing, which felt somewhat anemic given uh, our armamentarium. But the, I think the uh, the offensive line did a good job. One sack allowed and one turnover in the interception. So yeah. why don't you give us a rundown of the quarterback? Benny had an okay day. It, it, was, it started off pretty bad, and he, he was able to even himself out and kind of make some crucial plays when he really needed to and some nice throws. I think the main theme for him was that he missed or was inaccurate on way too many wide open short throws. He probably missed four or five of those. There was maybe three or four of them, but the one to Martavis was a bad miss. Um, there was a screen pass he threw to Le'Veon Bell that was behind him where Le'Veon had to spin and and pretty much had to waste time because of that. And there, there was just a few open ones that you could say it was the receivers or not, but to me, the guy's five yards away. you got to find a way to, to get the ball to him. You need to hit them in stride to allow for run after the catch, particularly when you're dealing with these, with with death by short throws, death by efficient paper cuts, right? I think that the Patriots and the Raiders used to do that to the Steelers all the time. The Steelers are totally capable of doing that. Ben just needs to calm it down with some of the short stuff. I think that he played really well in the red zone. He made good decisions there. His throw to Jesse... James on that first touchdown was excellent. That's an elite quarterback throw. Someone with an arm and accuracy of Ben Roethlisberger. You know, only a few people can make that throw. And um, the interception was bad. Not a good throw to Marty. That was a bit of a force. But I do like the patience that he displayed and taking what the defense gave him. You know, I remember a game two years ago when the Steelers got beat by the Ryan Mallett-led Ravens where Heath Miller was running wide open underneath all game you could see him sitting there with no linebackers around him and ben over and over again would try and throw downfield and through two or three interceptions they lost the game and you just wonder why he wouldn't take what the defense gave him so i think he did a good job taking what the defense gave him today yeah i or think you saw time. yeah you saw the perfect juxtaposition if i may between uh-huh. kaiser and roethlisberger ben uh calm cool it's, a, it's a, clearly a wily veteran at this point and as you said he was patient wasn't yeah. uh, didn't hold on to the ball too long. Knows when to get rid of it. Knows where to go now. Doesn't try yep. to take more than is presented to him. Didn't take bad hits, anything like that. Although he did have a historic day, becoming the all-time winningest quarterback at the Browns Stadium with 11 wins, edging out Derek Anderson, I believe. So, sorry, Cleveland. 
Excuse me. I think um, the one other thing I'd say is, that, I mean, a sign of rust was the delay of game, which he seemed to, he, he kind of uh, threw a little fit there, and I looked to be um, focused on the on the referee. So I guess he thought he got the playoff in time, but the fact we done, went down to the wire just shows a little bit of rust starting uh, the season. Yeah, I agree with that. So moving oh, on. What, to did a, we give him a grade? I probably, I want to give him a B, but I'll I'll give him a B minus just because there were too many ridiculous throws that he missed. I think some people might think he played a little bit worse than he did, but overall, I think he he controlled the tempo and the penalties just really made it hard for a lot of people. So I'll give him a B minus because Ben should be carving that team up. Uh, I think that's spot on. I think he's got based on Raiders for last year, he he looks average, ninety five passer rating, sixty seven percent completion rating. Uh, he looked just kind of average there. I didn't see any spectacular plays, although except for those pinpoint passes to um, at least the touchdown pass to yeah. the outlaw. And there was, there was one or two. There was one that got called back to Antonio Brown. That was a great throw that got held back by, by holding. And Yeah, he played fine, but Ben you know, should be an MVP-type candidate quarterback. So we expect a little bit more from him. Let's go on to the running backs, a.k.a. Le'Veon Moneybags Bill. He certainly did not earn his twelve million dollars no. this game, and it's it's it's, a, it's tough to tell until we see the all twenty two exactly where responsibility lies. But uh, you know, even when the even when the offensive line isn't perfect, Le'Veon seems to find a hole, seems, finds a crack, and gets an extra three yards out of. But he did not do that yesterday. Well, yeah, and his the people are going to be mad because he he held out a training camp and they want to make that as a big excuse. I saw a little bit of rust on, on his part because, like you said, there were a couple holes that usually you're used to seeing him burst through for 10 to 15, and he only got three. But overall, he, he got no help at all. I mean, that line was getting pushed back. The run blocking was, was pretty atrocious for the standard that the Steelers line should have. Um, you know, I think he missed a little out throw that, that Ben tried to hit him on a quick route. But the other ones that he missed, I felt like Ben probably should have hit him. And uh, I'll give him some great credit on really closing out the game because he had a pretty good fourth quarter with a couple of, of intermediate runs, and I'm, I'm not worried about Le'Veon Bell. It's He'll tough to grade him. It's tough to grade him because they, he, they didn't use him that much. I mean, the, the, right. the point is I think that you can't miss all of training camp, and I'm not talking about camaraderie. I'm, you just can't you know, run in a field with a parachute on your back and call yourself in football shape. You've got to have timing. You've got to work with your teammates. And there's a reason they played him sparingly. They saw something. And I think they intentionally played him a lot less than they would normally. So uh, was it, the, was it the, the play calling? Was it him? I think it was a combination. But I think um, we're going to give him a grade of C for this, this game. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, a C or C. Yeah, we'll give him a C. I mean, I don't, I don't really know about the in-shape or the training camp thing. There's really no way for us to tell whose fault some of those miscommunications were. You did see them putting Jesse or, um, James Conner in there. But, uh, I mean – Honestly, Mike Tomlin made a good point after the game when he said the reason why he didn't get that involved is because the Steelers were consistently behind the chains, first and 15, second and 15, and these other things. And I did not see running lanes being opened up for the guy. So uh, I don't think that he played that bad. I just, you know, wasn't a great day for him. He'll be fine. Well, let me hand off the easiest grade of the day to you, Antonio Brown, the 11 for 11, 182 yards, all within the span of about two quarters. Mainly. Yeah, we're going to grade A-B separately from the rest of the Steelers wide receivers. We're going to give uh, the Pittsburgh Antonio Browns an A++. I want to make this one point 
about him because there's pretty much nothing else you can possibly say about the guy that isn't true or hasn't been said already about his greatness. But I did hear reports talking about um, what he could possibly improve in the preseason. They said his run after catch was looking a little bit better uh, after being a little bit down last year. His run after the catch looked great. He was consistently winning one-on-one matchups with the ball in his hands. Um, There were a couple times where they would just throw the ball to him short, that five-yard little throw on the right side just off of a little arrow route you know, to the sideline or a hook or whatever. And it would be him one-on-one with the ball in his hands against the corner, and he made the guy miss every single time. Um, also on the tipped ball that he caught, the 50-yarder, you know, there's not many receivers who could catch that and then burn through the safeties for a touchdown, maybe Odell. Unbelievable focus. But, but the ability to weave, you know, weave for 15, 20 more yards. I mean, the catch itself is outrageous, but if I'm just talking about the run after the catch, mm-hmm. I think that's a nuance that I saw from him yesterday. If you remember in the first game of the year last year against the Washington Redskins, he had another huge game. But it was mostly, there was no run after the catch. It was just off some go routes on fourth down. Um, and he, just, he caught it in the end zone and twerked and all that great stuff. But uh, this time it was interesting. He made a lot of people miss and gained a lot of yards after he caught the ball. So he's the man. Cleveland secondary isn't that great, you know. Um, but for my money, I'm going to count that pass, that 40-something yard pass interference call he drew. And I'm going to really say the guy had it a, over a 200-yard game. So he was a beast. Steelers won one without him. A plus plus A B. I don't think our assessment is quite as generous to the rest of the wide receiving core as it was for A B. Seven yards per attempt, six um, percent, two yeah. drop passes, two embarrassing drop passes. So I think Marty had a rough day. He looked sluggish. Yeah. He uh, the the drop pass, the the out pass to him where he just dropped it. So Marty had a rough day, inexplicable drop in the backfield. Uh, I don't. I didn't see anybody coming. I don't know if he heard footsteps, but lack of focus. And he was um, probably a little rusty. Probably a little rust. nervous in his first game. Again, I'm not nervous about him. He looks noticeably larger. My goodness, I used to be scared when he was out in the field of him snapping or something like that. Eventually, obviously, he quelled those fears with all of his dominance. But he looked so skinny back in the day, and you can see the weight that the guy put on. He looks beast. Uh, he's going to be fine. I'm really glad he he had that nice catch on the comeback route on the sideline. Mm-hmm. That was a really nice catch, dragging his feet to stay in bounds, bent through a laser, it was low. So I'm glad he got that. Um, Eli looked good, but he just he really didn't have enough catches. I liked, I liked going to him on the first play. I think that he could have a huge year. But um, four catches for 25 yards for Steelers receivers not named Antonio Brown. That's brutal. Obviously, we, we went over Juju earlier in, in, in the show. Not a great day for him either. But listen, those guys are going to get it going. I'm not. I'm not super worried. I'm going to chalk some of this up to Russ. Listen, they they didn't. Martavis didn't play for a year. Ben played about three snaps in the preseason. Le'Veon didn't play at all. These this offense looked like an offense that is rusty. I think they'll be able to clean some of that stuff up. Hopefully. Well, because the standard is a standard, they still grade out at a D, as in David. Yeah, it's terrible. We might have a little disagreement about the offensive line. We totally agree on the poor run blocking that we saw. We blame, I mean, you can blame so much on the running backs, but there really weren't any holes. There weren't, and they were missing their two best defensive linemen. So running block did not, did not look good. But as I graded out the offensive line, one sack, one quarterback hit, that's incredible. You can yeah. credit that to our offensive line or maybe the uh, poor defensive line, but you got to give them credit. Um, team stuff percentage, 
20%, not good. We got stuffed 20% of the runs, and um, rushes per attempt were 2.1 yards. That is an F. Yeah, that's Overall no grade, C. Yeah, and maybe we're being a little bit harsh on them. They, But it, it's just hard when you're playing a depleted defensive line like that and the way that this offensive line pushed around every single team that, that came up against them last year – you know, that whole streak at the end of the year. It's a different year, I know, but look, it's the same guys. And they're all pros on that offensive line, and they have the best running back in the game. And you saw what they did last year. Everybody knew they were going to run, and all they did was set rushing records every game. So that's pretty brutal. Maybe we can give them a C-plus just because the, the pass blocking was good. I, I do think that they let some people in, um, but overall, one hit, one sack, can't complain too much about that. Which moves us to the, the tight ends. And I think you're a little harder on the tight ends than I would have been. You don't think they block well. I think uh, two, the two touchdown plays were crucial. And uh, that makes up for a lot of bad blocking for me. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, the blocking was was very bad. I mean, they did a terrible job in the run game. Just like, you know, just like we said, they're part of that offensive line unit. And, you know, to offensive line's credit, they didn't get much help from the tight ends on those on those counter runs when they try to get Le'Veon Bell to the outside. Um, but the two touchdown catches were awesome. They were really crucial. That That's really the difference in the game besides Antonio Brown. But, uh, not you know, not a lot else was done in between there. I think we have to worry that uh, Vance might be a bust. <laughs> yeah, let's not go. Remember, Jesse James' first play in the NFL in the preseason was a embarrassing drop in the end zone so he was a rookie vance in the preseason that's there's a little bit of a difference here well vance has got a reputation for dropping the ball a little bit but so does mike wallace and martavis bryant and sammy Coates, and they're still they were still good downfield weapons and that's what vance was brought here to do i don't think it was a great first day for him uh that drop was pretty gross honestly i know there was a guy in his back but it was right in his chest and his holding penalty on the first drive was pretty bad too both situationally and in terms of just not being able to get out to that to that guy fast enough. But, uh, yeah, I, I can't really give anyone on, on offense aside from a B a uh, very high grade because they didn't really produce that much except for those two nice plays from Jesse. Well, let's move on to the defense. Uh, the statistics are they allowed 57 rushing yards on 25 carries for 2.28 yards per carry, 20 for 30 in passing for 222 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and seven sacks. As you noted before, the seven sacks – well, an impressive number, weren't exactly like we were bull rushing the quarterback. It was A lot of this was due to Kaiser holding onto the ball probably a little too long, and but and the tenacity of the Steelers to stay with it until they, they got him. Yeah, I think that the seven sacks were a little bit misleading, but, but there were a lot of bright spots in there. And, hey, they got the sacks. You know, when you play against better quarterbacks, they'll probably get the ball faster. Uh, they'll get the ball out of their hands faster than Deshaun Kaiser did, but – Hey, they got the sacks, and there were some definite bright spots uh, in, um, in all facets of the defense. So let's just start. Uh, let's move along with the grades here. Let's start with the, the defensive line. I'll give them an A minus. Honestly, they had a decent push on the on the pa- in the pass game and the run game. Um, it felt like you did have a lot of time uh, to throw, but um, you know, Stephon Tuitt going out doesn't really help either. And there seemed to be some holes in the run game, but that was really off of just a couple main runs, and they, they held them to a very low number for the rushing. So, Which brings us to the inside linebackers. I think uh, Ryan Chazier is uh, 
The man. Didn't waste any time. Uh, he looks just like he did last game, last season. One He's embraced thing... the enforcer role a little bit more. Seeming like he wants to be Deshaun Kaiser's personal pest or hitman, if you will. I didn't like the uh, – none of us liked the, uh, the late hit. But I have to say, after watching him hit Kaiser three times, I think he was sending a signal because we are going to see the Browns at least one more time. Well, probably one more time this season. Right. <laughs> Let's not give him too much credit. Yeah, he's flying around. He's a beast. He's fast as hell. Uh, he's, you know, a little bit sloppy with, with some of the personal foul penalties. But overall, he looks great out there. It's good to see him back on the field after missing most of the preseason. I think he'll clean that up a little bit as well. And then we, we kind of talked about Vince a little bit earlier. He was a little bit slow on the run fits. But I think that the middle linebackers played well. They're going to be a strength of this team. And, and again, they did an awesome job swarming to the ball and making some tackles and helping some tackles with the corners on the outside. So let's move on to the outside linebackers. Yes, I think that they were kind of the stars of the game. Uh, Chicolo obviously starts the game with a touchdown, and he had two sacks. I don't know if he had one called back um, uh, with that personal foul penalty from Water, if that one actually counted. But either way, he had a couple sacks. T.J. Watt had a couple sacks in in the pick. And uh, like I said before, you know, it wasn't dominant. This wasn't prime Woodley, Lamar Woodley and James Harrison, you know, dominating their guys and getting into the quarterback. These were more hustle sacks. But when when I went back and I watched the film, I actually did see them beat their men clean a fair amount of times. And uh, they just weren't able to wrap up Deshaun Kaiser when they got to him. And actually, some of them were some nice escapes by Kaiser himself. But there's some promise there. I saw, you know, surprisingly, I mean, I think there was a beef against Watt that he didn't have bend. I thought he was, uh, he had a lot of bend. He's at least bendable because he there bends definitely there. Two or th- yes, exactly. And that was something that we've all been wondering about. Is, is he going to have that bend? Uh, and there were a couple of times he didn't get to Kaiser, but he got his hand on his shoulder and showed some good bend against, you know, basically the best left tackle of the past 10 years and Joe Thomas. So that was encouraging. And uh, just like the middle linebackers, they did. They had some great swarming to the ball, uh, whether that was with the receivers on the outside or the amount of times they swarmed onto Kaiser when he held onto the ball for 45 seconds. We gave the outside linebackers an A. Yeah, you, you know, it wasn't dominant, but, man, you can't deny with the, the results. Moving on to the safeties, uh, I do love Sean Davis. I think he's just a talent in the making. I especially love him on the blitz. The guy gets into the gets into a seam quickly. He can make a stop. He reads the he reads the run really well. Yeah, he had a pretty good day. They didn't get tested too much. They didn't really give that much uh, up over deep in the middle. I think there was one play where Mitchell crushed the guy right when he caught it, and the guy held on. They um, most of those throws were kind of out to the cornerbacks, but I thought that JJ Wilcox had a good read on that play on the goal line where he smashed the guy and injured himself. Um, but uh, that was a really nice catch by Corey Coleman. They, they didn't have a ton of action, honestly, so I'll give him a B-. minus. But Wilcox does have to learn how to hit in the guy's body. Like Mitchell has eventually learned how to do that pretty well. He still gets called sometimes for personal fouls, but you can still crush the guy and, and not get the penalty for the team. So B-, minus. they played all right. Well, the cornerbacks uh, benefited from a rookie quarterback who was errant on many of his throws or uh, – Wide receivers just sort of blew up by stepping out of bounds. I think yeah. they were, as you mentioned before, the open field tackling is so much improved. It looks like a huge point of emphasis, the swarming tackling, just good one-on-one tackling. 
Yeah, way better. And Hayden, Joe Hayden is is a known willing tackler coming over from Cleveland. But the improvement that Artie has shown from just the miserable tackler that he was at the beginning of last year to what he's doing right now, learning how to break down in the open field. There was one where he kind of half tackled the guy near the near the goal line. And J.J. Wilcox came in and cleaned him up. I even thought that was a nice play, even though he didn't totally bring him down. Uh, his angles are, are a lot better, and that's really encouraging. From Artie, at least, you know. I thought Will Gay actually had a pretty good pretty good game, too. I think that the helmet-to-helmet hit was kind of questionable, in my opinion. I understand it, but to me, I felt like the guy, the ball had already hit the guy's chest and bounced out, so he was kind of free game at that point. But, you know, he should learn how to hit him in the chest as well, and he uh, he's slow. He's old, so he gave up a couple plays from there. But he did have a, a nice break on that interception. He looks good, and Cameron Sutton's not going to be playing for a little while, so it's going to be Willie Gay for a little while. He played all right. So the quarterbacks are going to get great at a little lower here at a C plus. Yeah, because those Browns receivers are terrible. You know, Corey Coleman is good in the making, but they don't have anybody. You got to shut those guys down, and they got burned deep a few times where they really should not have. I think with some of that, it's also communication. That's, it's a brand new secondary, basically. So, can we talk about the play that made me thought we were going to score forty-five points this game? The Browns being the Browns in the first quarter. Kadevich's blocked punt, Chickalo's touchdown. That ball stayed in the end zone for us. It looked like preordained victory to me. That would only happen to the Browns. That's all I thought when that happened because the the camera angle was terrible. They they went kind of behind the punter, so you couldn't. You thought when the when the block occurred that the ball would definitely bounce out of bounds. You see the replay, and it's bouncing straight out of bounds, and the football gods just nudge it to the left a little no. bit, stays in, and Chicolo recovers. No. But, yep, that was awesome. That was, you know, again, the game is just a, a couple big plays. You talk about AB's huge plays, Jesse James catches, and, and that one at the beginning. I also have to say, um, first kickoff, the first kickoffs of the game, Boz kicked out of the end zone or near the end of the back of the end zone. He did a great job today. Maybe he just yeah, needs warm like weather. It. Yeah, I think so. I think we'll, we'll see what happens when it gets colder out there. But that was nice to see him kick those out of the end zone. He did, he did a good job. Um, I thought the punt gunners were okay. I think DHB had a nice tackle on a run back that Jabril Peppers looks like he might have had a little room with. And um, AB not returning punts. Interesting. Eli did not fumble, so he's better than Jacoby Jones. We can give him that. He did make good decisions. I agree. Yeah. So we'll give special teams an A. Agreed. There you go. So what so, do we got next? One well, let's just, just inauspicious beginning. Uh, a victory is a victory. I, I think this is uh, preseason plus one. You can't, you can't predict the season based on this. Hopefully everybody's gotten it out of their system is in game shape now, and we are ready to roll to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think that the Steelers should probably win the Super Bowl based off of that. No, I don't – you know, there's some cause for frustration in that game, but I really do think you can chalk a lot of that up to Rust and a lot of the star players not playing on both sides of the ball. Mitchell and Shazier didn't play all preseason, you know, in addition to the big guys on offense. So – uh, I can't say that's a guarantee, but it, but it looked like that could be some of the case, and they were able to pick it up a little bit at the end of the game. They got a great test next week in the Vikings, who aren't a total powerhouse, but they have a very good defense. I believe the game is at Minnesota, so lucky that the Steelers aren't playing there in December. And um, I don't know, I think the game actually is at, in Pittsburgh. 
actually. But, well, either way, the Vikings are coming to Pittsburgh. They're going to get a good challenge with that defense, and they're going to need to step it up right away. And uh, traditionally, they've played pretty awesome at home in the past few years, so let's hope that they kick that saran saran wrap off next week against the Vikings. Well, that wraps up our first show. We want to thank everybody who is on for joining us. We hope to get these shows out once a week on Monday, maybe Tuesday, if we want to employ the uh, All-22 camera angle to help on our analysis. But we will try to have something out every week after a game. Uh, We appreciate you listening and hope to talk to you next week. Remember, if you have any comments, improvements, send us us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. That's it. We're out. Thank you. Yeah, so thank you guys for listening. I know that one was a little bit long-winded. Uh, we'll probably try and get them a little more concise going in the future there, but we're just so damn excited that Steelers football is back, and there's so much to break down. Thank God and the football gods for Game Pass. It's been a blessing. We got to watch that thing today. I had to tell you guys what I found, okay? Um, let's go ahead and hope for a Steelers victory next week against the Vikings. Let's bow our heads. <laughs> Thank you, football guys. Anyways, guys, thanks for listening. Congratulations if you made it this far. We'll be back uh, next week, and we'll probably try and get them out on Tuesdays. Bye-bye. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW.
Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.